Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here, no Uriah tonight, but I'm sure he's probably celebrating in his own way because we are recording directly after game four, another victory for the Sixers. Now they are up, now the series is tied 2-2, going back to Miami for game five, Chris. This game plus game three, a lot of encouraging signs for the Sixers. How are you feeling? Well, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I, I think these two games went about as well as Philly fans could have hoped for. Obviously, two wins is nice. We'll talk about James Harden in game four. That was quite a pleasant surprise. Tyrese Maxey had the big second half in game three, and obviously we are just able to better appreciate even more the fact that Joel Embiid is one of the best two-way players in the NBA because his presence has changed the entire calculus of the game for both teams. Miami can't defend James Harden and Tyrese Maxey the same way they could before. And even though Embiid hasn't been like at his most dominant levels, he's had a huge swing on both of these games. And that's the reason the series is tied 2-2. And a reason why Philly has a decent amount of momentum as the series goes back to Miami for Game 5. So, Lucas, 31 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists for James Harden in Game 4. Let's start there. 15 through 3 quarters, had 16 points in the 4th. Felt like he hit like 4 threes in a row. Basically nailed the coffin shut on Miami down the stretch. Easily James' best offensive game, I would say. At least his best offensive second half. Of the playoffs so far, easily the best quarter he's played as a Sixer. The closest we've seen to that kind of vintage takeover game version of James Harden that once dominated for so long in Houston. Mm-hmm. 24-11 for Joel in 38 minutes, 18 for Tyrese, 13 for Tobias, and 11 for Danny Green, who, again, did not miss very many times from three-point range. What were your big takeaways in this game? Uh First off, still that, you know, despite being kind of manhandled by Bam Adebayo, overall, Tobias Harris is our best perimeter defender on this team. Joel Embiid's defense yet again made a big impact here. And let's just go to James Harden here. Because, I mean, yeah, I could give Tyrese Maxey his flowers. Same thing with Danny Green. They both had really good games. But, like, like you said, Chris, he was 6 of 10 from deep. And it wasn't on like a lot. There were a couple catch and shoots, but most of these were his vintage, you know, step back threes. 
And you could see the confidence building and harden as the game went on. And I think that's really important for the Sixers. Because I think part of this, part of his struggles, I, I think, has been like he sees his shot not going in initially, and then he just kind of gives up. But in this game, he saw his shot going initially. I mean, he had a pretty pretty solid second quarter, if I remember correctly. So you see this, and now it's just like, okay, he had he, he's starting to get that confidence back, and I'm really hoping that this carries over into Game Five because they'll need it on the road. But I, I think. Just seeing the ball go into the basket for him, and especially against this, this was a two battle, two front battle for James Harden. Because not only was he playing against the Sixers, he was basically playing against Scott Foster, who he he is only. He, I don't think he has he ever won a game that Scott Foster has officiated for him. Because I, I don't think like, so. I think he's won at least like once. I, I think maybe I agree. I read Tyrell Newbick's column at Philly Voice. I, I think that's probably because he was Chris Paul's teammate more than the fact yeah. that it was just James. But yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. So I, I yeah I I think it was is definitely a I I think it was a really strong victory. And honestly, he probably got fouled a couple times. He just didn't get called for. Um, he didn't get calls for. But mm. um, I, I I especially on a couple of those three pointers. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, he had some pretty ridiculous shots down the stretch. Like, there was one where Bam switched onto him, and Bam played, like, perfect defense. It was, like, a genuinely impossible shot from James. So, that is the version of James Harden that a lot of fans have been holding out hope for. I, I don't know if we can expect it every that, night yeah, that's, or yeah, in that's, the fourth quarter. It, it would be unreasonable, too, because very few players can do that every night or every fourth quarter. But it's it's nice to see that he still has it in him every now and then. Obviously, was super important as a facilitator and table setter for the first three quarters, too. And, yeah, I mean, Harden has taken a lot of slack from Philly fans and the national media and everyone from other teams, whoever, but... He's still been, I think, pretty dang good in the playoffs. And it's clearly very important to what Philly's doing. Like, I, I think anyone painting Harden as some, like, negative influence on the Sixers or anything is way overstating things. Cause he's still clearly very good. He's not the same player he once was. He has some issues. He's still an all-star. Inside. He's an all-star level player, probably, at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, he's still just one of the smartest dudes in the game. And he's, yeah. he's clearly having a big impact on all his teammates. And on the Sixers as a whole, um, Joel in this game had 15 of his 24 points in the first quarter. Came out on fire, getting really deep. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Joel obviously much quieter after the first quarter. I think Miami did a really good job of fronting him and swarming him and playing aggressive physical defense, keeping the ball out of his hands. Obviously, Philly outside of James doesn't really have anyone still who can make it in. Um, you know, can pass it into Joel in the post. That's still something the Sixers show yeah. with, unfortunately, outside of James. But clearly whoever is the coach for the Sixers next preseason needs to do nothing but, in, in, you know, work on the, you know, entry passes. Yeah. that That's what they need to do. Yeah, but even, just the attention that Embiid draws has it's totally changed the game for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And um, his defense, I think his defense is probably more important than what he does on offense for the series. Yeah. Because now Bam can't run amok on offense. 
Yeah. Like the only time Bam was really effective was when the Sixers didn't have Joel in and he could punish either Paul Reed or Tobias Harris. Yeah, I, I agree. Joel's played two really dominant defensive games. I don't think it's a coincidence that Miami's offense has looked a lot worse. Part of that's just on the road. They've had two uniquely poor shooting nights. That's probably not going to be the case at home in game five that threes are going to start falling at some point. They're due for a big night there, but Embiid has obviously helped quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball. This was not Maxie's most explosive game, but it was one of his more like even performances. He, he gave the Sixers a little bit of something in the first half and then had 11 points in the second half finished pretty strong again had a couple of those absurd like transition finishes that really only he can pull off and Tobias like you said nothing super special but another strong defensive outing 13 points six attempt from the field had that lob off the maxi pass to pretty much close out the game there and down the stretch um and Danny had a good game too especially a really good first half so not a lot to complain about this was Niang's best game in the playoffs, at least in the Miami series, by a pretty good stretch. He had 10 points, 2 of 5 from 3, um, and 3 assists. Fiebel had 5 points, made his first 3 in like a month. It feels about like a month, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, about all you can ask for out of him in 15 minutes. Paul Reed, it was pretty darn impactful on the defensive end. He had a good game. Shake had a pretty... Admirable performance, even though it didn't really show up in the box score. Like, there's really not a ton to complain about. I think the big issue remains offensive rebounding. Miami's just killing the Sixers in that respect. They're getting extra possessions, and Philly has to cut down on the turnovers. James did have a few more turnovers than we're used to in those first three quarters, and obviously made up for it in a big way, but. Sixers do need to cut down on the turnovers, and they need to find some way to slow down Jimmy Butler. But if there's, Jimmy, if Jimmy's nah, the you, guy scoring, then yeah. you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, so, I was about to say you if if you shut down everybody else and Jimmy gets forty, you live with that. Because I think outside of Jimmy, I think there were only three three other people that scored in double digits. Bam had twenty one. Tyler here had an inefficient eleven points. And Victor Oladipo only had 15 points because he went to the foul line t- 10 times. So, like, Kyle Lowry was a non-factor in this game. He's still hampered with the hamstring. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he sat out game five. Um, P.J. Tucker, you know, he's never really going to give you a lot offensively, but he didn't seem as active defensively this game as he did the last game. We'll talk about the last game. Matt Struess was okay, but not, you know, you needed more from him. We saw Mark um, Markeith Moore sighting first time in the playoffs for him. Good for him, but that that was more because Dwayne Dedman was out. Uh, Caleb Martin didn't do anything. Vincent Gabe Vincent was a negative. Like they're one of the best three point shooting teams, and they shot uh, I think twenty percent from deep in this game. Like they're gonna shoot better at home. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, I, I think that's like the big storyline for a lot of people is that Miami's just never going to have a two-game stretch where they shoot this poorly again, one would think. Um, like, Hero 1 of 5, Lowry 0 for 6, Tucker 1 for 4, Oladipo 1 for, for 5. Um, like, Jimmy was one of two Heat players to hit multiple threes, and Jimmy's not really a guy who hits multiple threes. Um, 
Like, I, I, I think the Sixers are, frankly, defending Jimmy better than they're defending the three-point line. Like, the Heat are just missing a lot of good looks. And Jimmy hit some absurd shots all night. Like, like Jimmy yeah. was just putting on. Tobias Harris has done a pretty good job on Jimmy minus these last two games. Like, the first two games he did really well. And I I think part of it is is that Jimmy knows that he has to hit that, that extra gear. Jimmy Butler has that extra gear. We've seen it before in Philly. We saw it in that bubble series against the Lakers. Like, he has a special gear that he, he doesn't hit unless he absolutely has to. And in these last two games with 33 points in game three, which we'll get to in a minute here, and then 40 points tonight, like, he can hit that, that gear – but obviously, it takes a lot out of him. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep this for the whole series. But yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, Sixers had really good success from deep, 48%. They're not going to shoot that well on the road either. It's going to even out. This is going to be a really good series. And I'll, I'll say, well, we'll get to game five after we go, go to game three. But Chris, let's go ahead and transition to game three now, okay? So, Chris... Sixers, uh, it was kind of close until like mid third quarter, and then it became the Tyrese Maxey show, and it was something to behold. Chris, the Sixers won ninety nine to seventy nine, and Tyrese Maxey had all twenty one of his points in the second half. Pretty quiet in the first half. It was the first game that Joel and B came back with the Phantom of the uh, uh, Process mask. Fantastic. Tobias Harris had a near triple double. Chris, what are some of your takeaways from this game? Um, uh, yeah, man. I Tyrese Maxey. What more is there to say? He had the thirty-four point game in Miami. He had twenty-one points in the second half of Game Three. Obviously, you would like it if he doesn't have very many zero-point halves to begin with, because he was he was quite bad in the first half. But he made up for it, and he's twenty-one years old. That stuff happens it's to be expected to a certain extent and when maxi is going he's he's just one of the most exciting players to watch in the nba period um a lot of people after this game kind of wrote it off as the danny green game because he went seven nine from three and that just does not happen hardly ever he like tied his career high or set his career high for three point makes in a playoff game 21 points Bailed out the Sixers quite a few times offensively, just hitting mm-hmm. big contested threes when everything else kind of stagnated. Like, like Danny sort of won them the game along with Maxi there because Joel, for as great as he is and as great as he was defensively in this game, just didn't really have his stuff offensively. James struggled a bit down the stretch, but you had Tyrese Maxi going off. You had Danny hitting big shots all night. And that's enough when you hold the Heat to 79 points. <laughs> um, another game where, again, Miami shot like 17% from three. Jimmy scored 33 points, and the only other player who scored double digits for them was Tyler Hero, who had 14 on 15 shots. If that's, yeah, I like, the, yeah. if that's the distribution for Miami, they aren't going to win very many of these games. Like Some of that's the Sixers' defense, and again, some of that is just shot variance that's going to swing the other way at some point. I expect Miami to probably shoot lights out in game five. I'm prepared for it. But two really good games on the defensive end for Philly, broadly speaking. And again, Joel only had 18 points and never stuff offensively. And it was still very evident how just dominant and impactful he is. Um, just being on the court. 
Yeah, clearly Joel was not 100% this game. He's still not 100%, but like j- like you said, just the fact that he was on the court has made the difference in this game because he held Bam to nine points on pretty inefficient shooting, by the way. And like he just changes how the Sixers can play defense too, especially with Matisse Thibel. You know, in the first two games, Thibel wasn't really a factor defensively. He was a big reason why Tyler Hero had an inefficient night shooting and for both games, really. I mean, just the fact that he can take more risks because he has Joel on the back line, he can gamble more, and that gives the Sixers defense a better chance of being successful. Um, like you said, Danny Green game all four. Tobias Harris had nine points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists. He was near triple-double. The guy was fantastic. He did foul out, but I'm not worried about it at that point because this game was already in hand. Not the best James Harden night, but that's okay. They still won despite of that. And I, you know what? I liked that Shake came out near the end of the first half and was aggressive, and I think that earned him back his his um, spot in the rotation because in a span of like two minutes, he had four points. So I, I'm all for it. Um, I, you know, just a, it was a great defensive game. It was one of the better defensive games that the Sixers had. I don't think Miami was expecting it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like one point above their season low for Miami. So, mm-hmm. I mean, credit to Miami. They held the Sixers to 99, and normally that's a losing recipe. Like, the Sixers' offense was not very good in this game. No, it wasn't. But the defense showed up. And Miami, Miami's an elite defense. They're one of the two, three best defenses in the NBA. They're going to give the Sixers mm-hmm. problems. They gave the Sixers plenty of problems in Game 4. Again, turnovers, offensive rebounds, that stuff is still killing the Sixers. And they did a really good job defending Embiid for the most part in both of these games outside of the mm-hmm. first quarter of game four. But the Sixers won them both, partly on defense, partly on Maxi and Harden having two standout second halves. There are plenty of factors here. I'm really excited to see how these next couple of games go. Excited, I'm probably will be more like nervous and dreading the you know, dreading the next game is probably more accurate. I think this but, next game is going to determine the series, Chris. Uh, I really do. I do. I do. Yeah. But. I, I mean, this feels like a seven-game series if everyone can, can stay relatively healthy. Um, I, well, I don't think this is like, you know, the two teams have won their games at home. I, I well, It might have been different if Embiid had been playing the first two games. But I, I don't think Miami is going to shoot this poorly again. I think the Heat are still a really good team with Jimmy well, Butler the, the, playing out of his mind. Hmm. Um, well, I'll say this. Without Tyler Hero being efficient in the half court, Miami's offense pretty much uh, is all on Jimmy Butler. And while he's great and he can sh- carry an offense, he's not going to win you a game. Um, but, no, let's let's go to Game 5, Chris, because I, I, I want to talk about this. Because, I, like I just said, I think it's a pivotal game. Um, and I'll say this before I, uh, uh, before I give you the floor. The winner of Game 5 wins the series, and let me tell you why. Because if the Sixers win Game 5, I believe they can close out on home court on, in Game 6. That, that's what I believe. But if they don't win Game 5, they can still win all, Game 6. But I don't believe they have. I believe Miami's veteran enough to where they can't. They will not lose a game seven in Miami. 
but I think there's a better chance of stealing game five, winning game five than I believe it is winning game seven. I, I think that's the honest truth. Mm. That's, yeah, that's that's how I feel. Because if the Sixers win Game Five, this series is over in six. But if the Sixers lose Game Five, this series is over in six or seven. Because yeah, I just I, don't see us winning a Game Seven on the road against Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty good instinct. Um, Miami's a really interesting team. Obviously, they're the one seed. They're an elite defense, and they're probably one of the weaker half-court offenses for all the reasons we've kind of hinted at among the like the top-tier contenders. Like they, There are ways to slow down Miami scoring the ball in the half-court, especially when Hero and Vincent and those guys aren't draining threes. Um, Philly, on paper, again, they have the best player in the series in Joel. They have mm-hmm. four guys who can step up on a given night and have a big game that's somewhat rare. Not many teams have four offensive talents on the level of Embiid, Harden, Harris, and Maxi. Like, even though the Sixers don't have the depth, they have the top-level offensive talent to to outshoot Miami in a, in games like this. Um, but you know, I I mean, you still have like Doc Rivers nightmares, and the Sixers just have a real knack for maddening mistakes and shooting themselves in the foot and you can never really feel comfortable with them so i well, of course not of course yeah um i think there's a pretty credible argument on paper that like philly is just a better more a more well-constructed offensive team for the playoffs and mm-hmm. that they should be winning this series and then had mb been playing the whole time maybe they'd be up even more they'd be up instead of tied to two but Miami's the one seed for a reason. They're one heck of a defense. Like, as great as Philly's defense has played these last couple games, they, they can't really touch Miami when Miami is playing at the top of their game. And the Sixers can turn the ball over against good defenses, and they just can't rebound to save their lives. So I think we're about to see some some pretty gritty, tough-it-out, slugfest type of games. Miami's a team that can get pretty chippy. We've already seen hints of it with P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry these past couple nights. Like, Man, P.J. Tucker was about to get himself ejected in Game 3. Yeah, like when these when things come down to it, we're, this is going to be a hard-fought handful of games. Um, mm. I, I truly think it's anyone's ballgame. I, I don't think Philly has locked this up or anything by any stretch. It's 2-2. Miami is home court. It's a best-of-three series now with two games in Miami. Um, but I certainly don't think Heat fans can feel particularly great either. So I'm fascinated. I, I think this is one of the more interesting series left in the playoffs. It seems like Golden State might be ready to run past Memphis here without John Morant. And I don't know. There's some good matchups here, but I don't know if any of them are going to be more interesting than how this Philly-Miami series plays out. I'm, yeah. I'm excited, again, excited slash dreading it. But look, uh, I, I'll say this: if Philly can come back from an O2 deficit and win the series, it will do a lot of positive things for the legacies of Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Doc Rivers. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, mean, I, I yeah. If if they win this series, no one can like hold the fact that Joel has never made the conference finals over his head anymore. If he does it under these circumstances, it will be even more impressive. 
Um, you know, Doc, the whole blown leads thing, it would be quite nice if he could get this team to the conference finals and they don't underperform. That would be uh, pretty good on him and would make a lot of people feel better about him as the head coach. Um, and, yeah, I mean, James Harden, we'll, we'll see what happens. But if, if he can unearth more performances, like in game four, people's opinion of him are going to change quite quickly. I, I don't expect it every night, but again, so, I, I think I'm higher on James's general performance than most Sixer fans. Like he's played really well this postseason. I think for the most part, he's maybe not played up to people's preconceived notions of him and expectations that were set too high. But he's still impacting the game in a whole lot of ways for Philly's offense. Uh-huh. And Miami clearly respects him with how they orchestrate their defense. So. Uh-huh. I don't think this is 2-2 without James Harden. And he he deserves his flowers. Like, he's still the most important guy on the team besides Embiid, I think. I, I think that's pretty clear. And I'm, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see how the rest of the series plays out. I don't know if, like, making it to the conference finals would be good for my stress levels, but <laughs> I, I'd like them to do it. So. Well, I, I, I don't think, like... If the Sixers make it to the East, you know, finals, it's going to be pretty rough. Um, just because yeah, either, I, whoever they're going to meet is is one of the best defenses that can guard you well. Um, that being said, let's focus, stay focused. I, I tend to agree. I'm, I'm really curious who's going to, if the Sixers win game five, they're going to have to have like big offensive games from. I'm going to say both Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, like they're both going to need to produce at like at least 20 points each. If the Sixers want to have a shot at, at game, uh, game three, I mean, not game three, game five. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think if you want to win game five, it, it's gotta be the Joel show. I, I mean, do you think he's going to be able to, I mean, he's, he's up to his, yeah, it, it, a bunch of crazy crap can happen in a given game. It's hard to pinpoint like who individually would have to step up because Danny Green could go eight of nine from three or whatever. But like Joel had again, he had 15 points in the first quarter of this game. Like for one quarter, Joel was just absolutely wrecking Miami in every which way. And he was wrecking them in various ways all game, despite only scoring nine points after that. Like Joel. I don't know if he has it in him, but if they want to win a big pivotal game five and really take control of the series, it would it would really be nice if Embiid could give like an MVP level legacy type of performance, like he did in game three in Toronto. Don't know if he has it in him. It's a fair point. He's battling like seventeen injuries at this point, but um, you need your best players on the road. The shooting variance again is probably going to swing back towards Miami at some point. That is when Joel has to be Joel. So hopefully that's what we get. It's, it's, it's a tall order to ask from a guy who has a messed up thumb and a facial fracture. But yeah. It's, I like, mean, obviously Harden and Maxi and Harris, those guys have to show up too. Like it can't be just Joel on an island. But do you think we can get a 40 and 15 game from Joel in this series just based off the injuries? Um, I don't know. And again, I like Miami is done a pretty good job defending him like they don't have the guys to match up one-on-one but they're fronting him they're bringing doubles and triples really hard like they're they're not i i i i I think toronto did a better job on joel than miami has 
That's just my thought. Um, I don't know. Like, he only had nine points in the last three quarters of this game, and I, I don't think that was – he was pretty efficient. Like, I, I think it was because Miami was keeping the ball out of his hands, and Toronto didn't do that quite as well. So, uh, But the thing is, is that Toronto – there were two games that Joel just had, like, what, 20 and 10 games? Like, there were games that Toronto held him to poor scoring, too. And where he didn't have the facial fracture. So, we could talk yeah, about... I, well, I mean, I, he's had two straight 20-point games in Miami. It's not like he's... Well, 18 and 24, night. but yeah. yeah. Like, he never... Like, 19 was, I think, game one against Toronto was his lowest point output. 18 is lower than that by a point. Like, like, I think Miami's done a pretty good job. Um... Either way, like both teams are well constructed to give Embiid and the Sixers problems. They're two very good defensive teams. Uh-huh. All of the teams in the East at this point are good defenses. Philly is the worst defense left. He had 18 in game three, by the way. Yeah, and if if they're clicking, maybe Philly has the best offense. I I think that's it's kind of an offense versus defense thing. If Philly can execute and do what they need to do on the offensive end, I think that's the storyline here moving forward in the Miami series and beyond if they manage to upset the heat. Um, yeah, but yeah, it'll, yeah, I, 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 yeah. But before we end the podcast, Chris, I do want to talk about the other series going on. And yeah, semifinals right now. Let's, let's start in the East. We have the bucks versus the Celtics thing. The bucks are up. If I remember they're up three, no, two two one right now. Mm-hmm. Without Chris Middleton, your thoughts on that series? Um, I think we both picked Boston to win before yeah. the series, and Boston could yeah. still very well win the series. I don't want to make it seem like they're out of the running here, but I I think my initial instincts before the playoffs to bet on the honest. All the way until the finals was probably the right one, because <laughs> uh, he's he's just an absurdly good player and is pretty much like putting his stamp on the best player in the world title at the moment. <laughs> uh, it's two one. Bucks have home court now. Even without Middleton, it's just super hard to stop Giannis. And the Celtics yeah. half court offense has really struggled in games one and games three. Tatum had his worst game of the postseason in Game 3. Wesley Matthews and those guys are really getting into his grill and making him work and are flustering him. And I don't know. I, I think the Bucks are probably the obvious favorite here. It could still go to Boston. The Celtics are a brilliant defensive team, and there's no doubt that Tatum and Jalen Brown and those guys can bounce back. But, yeah, Giannis is the best player on the face of the earth, and normally that helps you win close games <laughs> yeah for sure i think i mean could boston still i don't i don't know who's going to win this series Chris, but i know this the, the winner of this series is going to be the one that goes to the nba finals because miami doesn't match up great defensively against these teams because there's the they're the smallest out of the three and then you have the sixers while joel Embiid. Uh, is an MVP finalist. I mean, so is Giannis. And the difference is that 
Bucks and the Celtics have the personnel to give Joel a very hard time, especially with Joel not being a hundred percent. That you know, whoever wins that series is gonna is gonna win the East, in my opinion. And like, I'm not trying to be cynical mm-hmm. to the Sixers. It's just those teams are just deeper than the Sixers are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, they still have pretty good top end talent. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say this, like, I, I think it's totally fair to say Miami is still the slight favorite in this series, but like, as far as who I feel has a better chance to knock off one of those two teams, I, I think it's definitely Philly, just because I don't know if Miami has the offense to beat those defenses, and no matter how good your defense is, and Boston and the Bucks are right up there with Miami, if not ahead of them, as the best defenses in the world. You have to commit quite a few resources to Joel. You have to commit quite a few resources to James. And then you have Tyrese and Tobias attacking the seams. You have some shooters like the Sixers offensively, if they're executing, and Joel and James are having good games, are really hard to stop. And while I agree, I, I think the Bucs and the Celtics would both beat Philly in a series. And I, I don't even know if it would be like a six or seven game series. But I, I think the Sixers would have more of a chance than Miami of at least making it interesting. So, Chris, now I, I agree with you on those takes. Those are pretty solid takes. I want to now, I want to shift to the West, and you surprise me. Which series in the West do you want to talk about first? Um, I think Phoenix and Dallas is the more interesting series. Fair enough. They played today. Uh, they played today. It's 2-2 now. Dallas won by 10 points. Another great defensive showing from them. They have really kind of messed up the Suns' offense the past couple of nights, which is hard to do. Chris Paul mm-hmm. fouled out in 23 minutes. Yeah. That's probably never going to happen again, but that has maybe a bit fluky, but Dallas is a really good defensive team. Dorian Finney-Smith had a big game. Jalen Brunson had the big game in Game 3. They did what the Sixers did and won at home and even the series after an 0-2 start. And they have Luka Doncic, who is one of the best players on the face of the earth. And he wasn't like particularly great. 9-25 from the field, 1-10 from three. But he still felt pretty great. Like Luka's one of those guys who can just impact the game in so many ways offensively. And, you know, it's a two, two out of three series now. And Phoenix has to beat Luka Doncic twice, which they're totally capable of doing. I think the Suns would be my pick to win the series still. But it's a tough spot to be in. And Dallas yeah. is interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think Dallas does have... They have... It's. I mean, the last two games were very fluky for Chris Paul. I think he had, what, seven turnovers in, in game three and then... Like you said, fouled out. Some of those calls were questionable. I saw that game. I think it's just... I still expect Phoenix to come out in this series, but this this could go a little bit longer. And I you got to give credit to you know Luka Doncic, Jason Kidd. I know he's not you're you're not a fan, but he's done a good job there. Um, I and you know what, Jalen Brunson has had his moments. I think Game Four was probably his get best game of the series so far, if I remember cor- correctly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I like I said, I'm pretty sure Phoenix is still gonna win that one, but it's an in, uh, it's much more interesting than I thought it would. 
be. Yeah, I mean, when Phoenix is rolling, they feel like they're pretty clearly the best team in the world. But, I mean, Dallas has made a mark now. New Orleans made a mark in the first round. Like They've shown their weaknesses a handful of times here. DeAndre Ayton was really, really bad in Game 4. And Dallas exploited him defensively in many ways, which is something Phoenix is going to have to figure out. Because Aiton has been really important to their defense all year, and he's really important to their offense too. So, especially with Dario out and a lack of versatility with those backup center options, they're going to have to figure out how to make Aiton work in this series to get past Dallas. Um, so they yeah, either that or they out. could go super super small and go with Crowder, but I I wouldn't. They could. Um, yeah, that'll be really interesting as far as the Memphis. Golden State series. That is the most physical series that I've seen in a playoffs in a very probably since Detroit's run in the mid two thousands. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it certainly has gotten to a point where the discourse around it is sort of tiresome. And I mean, it seems like John Morant is going to miss Game Four now due to a knee injury, which might have been caused by Jordan Poole. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it was, it was. I, I think pretty obviously incidental. Like I, I, I know people have different reads on that, but it didn't look like an aggressive move to hurt someone. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Memphis has won a lot of games without John Morant this year, so you can't count them out entirely. But Golden State won by 30 points in Game 3 and just blew the lid off that place in the second half. That's something Golden State can do when they get going. We've seen it time and time again over the years. If Morant's out for a game or even two games, it feels like Golden State's going to be up 3-1. And I don't know if Memphis is good enough to come back from that. So don't count yeah. them out. Memphis is super deep, and they got a lot of interesting players. But it feels like this is going towards Golden State. Yeah, I just I think the injuries and just... Because Steven Adams hasn't played in this series either, right? Because of COVID. Or something like that. So, um, yeah, no. He's just being benched because he can't stay on the floor defensively. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's not good when you have to start Xavier Tillman, though. I'll say that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be – it's it's a good – I think it's a good t- it's a good series for this young Memphis team to really learn from, for sure. Um. I, I will say this. I think this series kind of has exposed why we we don't see Jaron Jackson Jr. as a as the center. He just fouls too much when he's at center. So I think that's that's the main reason why. But yeah, Chris, I think that's that's all that we have for tonight. So let's just go ahead and wrap this thing up. Yeah, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. Leave us a comment, a review. Let us know how we're doing. Give us five stars if you can. It would really help us out. We will be back Wednesday evening, Thursday morning. For you guys, that means we will be able to talk about what happens in Game 5 on Tuesday. I'm sure that will be a fascinating pod no matter which direction that game goes. So stay tuned for that. Again, subscribe so you can get the notification. And until then, peace out, everyone. Go Sixers. We'll talk to you soon.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.